See this? This is my boomstick! got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. Hello, all you out there in podcast listener land. This is Slow Robot Agogo, show number 16. I almost said big show number 16. All right. My name is Mao. I'm coming to you from the land of K-pop and me losing my favorite pen. Now, Uh, Oh, my favorite pen was nothing special. It's just one of those uh, G2 gel pens, you know? But uh, I've had it for like three years. I don't know. I I actually changed the cartridges, you know? So, kind of sad day, yeah. Ah, well, you know. I'll just get another G2 pen and have that for three years. It's a thing with me. I don't even know what... I don't even know why. Okay, moving on. Boy, do I have a treat in store for you. Today, we're going to be doing the 1958 classic, Missile to the Moon. Now, by Richard E. Kunha. C-U-N-H-A. I'm saying Kunha. I hope that's how you say it. Now, I've seen the black and white version. The version I had to watch here uh, was the colorized version. Now, normally those are hilarious in their in how horrible they are, but for some reason this one uh, is actually the colorized version is really nice. I was surprised. Um, it wasn't distracting. I thought it did a really good job with the uh, with everything. You know, there wasn't anything that stuck out to me as being like oddly colored or. Now, granted, it had gotten that that process has gotten way better than it was. I don't know. Some of those original colorizations are like, wow, you know. They, somebody was doing acid and was like, I'm gonna colorize this, and then just the kids just took crayons and wrote on the film. Okay, moving on. So, missile to the moon. Oh, I will start by reading um, my co-producer uh, Val sent in from home. Missile to the Moon rocks, especially the rock monsters that walk like giant gumbies. Yes, they do. These rock monsters are classic. I almost expected, like, Eddie Murphy to, to like, start going, I'm Gumby, damn it, you know, uh, and I'm old. Okay, uh, this is a remake of Catwomen of the Moon, uh, and is just as awesome. There, and he says there is a colorized version out there adds to the, that adds to the greatness. The director, Richard... Kunha also made She-Demons. I like that one a lot, actually. She-Demons is one of those bad movies that's just bad enough to, to be fun. Um, Frankenstein's mon- Frankenstein's Daughter and Giant from the Unknown. All amazing as well. As always, thank you, Val. <clears throat> I did pose a question to um, a friend podcast, a friend's podcast, uh, Two Dimension Two dimension. I should get the right thing down. Yeah, that, that's me. I'm glad I'm taking up precious airtime by guessing the name of my friend's podcast. Okay, let me look here. Uh, yeah, two dimension podcast. Um, I posed the question to them, which is I'm gonna do the next show. I'm gonna do is the top five worst 
film adaptations of comic book uh, heroes. I was, I forget how this even came up. I think I was sitting there. I was watching the on TV. I was watching the last Hulk <clears throat> movie, and that one was okay. I, I didn't mind the la the last one. There was one that made me hurt. Uh, I, the Ang Lee one with the star wipes and the water wipes and the weirdness and the I don't know. And one day he's one time he's bigger than in the Empire State Building, and one time he's not. Okay, so basically, I started thinking, well, what are the the, the worst ones? Because generally speaking, I feel that they are horrible at best. Uh, uh, you know, comic book movie adaptations. So uh, I posed it to them because they are, without a doubt, the experts of the comic book genre. If any of my listeners out there have their opinions, because there's been some doozies, Electra, I'm looking your way, um, please send me your top five worst comic book adaptations. Uh, uh, send it to Z-E-N-B-O-N-E at Hotmail.com, or you can write, write yours in the comments from this week. Um, I'll be more than happy to read them on air. I always love listener uh, content, listener feedback, because it helps me not only shape the show, but uh, it's fun. It's be you know it's better than just listening to one person talking. Uh, yes. Now I'm going to start us off with now back to the movie. Okay, uh, that was the plug portion of the show. Back to Missile to the Moon. This is one that, generally speaking, isn't highest rating. Rate, isn't hot, ver, rated very high amongst like you know IMDb or the film community, but I I like this movie. I actually like it a lot. Like it's one of those movies that's kind of fun to just watch it and I don't know. I I don't even know how to. Ex I don't even under. I can't even really explain why I like this movie because I did like um, Catwoman from the Moon, but that was a different fare. Anyway, I'm going to drop in the very opening uh, audio, so take a listen. Basically, I did cut out a portion. The I, I loved the uh, sound effects for the um, you know for the missile to the moon uh, opening credits, so I left that in. Then there's a scene that shows a police officer pulling up and getting out of his car. You, they did this a lot in older movies where the the, the cop would stop the car, open the door. And then do like the one leg up on the door frame as he's talking into the mic, and he rests his arm on the top of the of the uh, cop car, and he's he's radioing headquarters and telling them that he hasn't seen the escaped convicts, but he's going to keep looking till he gets his man. So basically, I cut that portion out of the in, in introduction audio, where we're going to pick up. So that's the backstory. Um, credits. He starts with a with a police officer saying, "Yes, I'm looking for the two escaped convicts." Backstory: Okay, there's two escaped convicts. Then they then we go to the uh, scientist's house where the government official is talking with Steve. Um, with Steve, June pops in there at some point, and uh, yeah, and Gene. So. These are the main characters in the beginning, and then I'll pick up after the audio. So, enjoy.
there's no question that your designs and theories are far advanced of anything that our research department has come up with. Your use of solar energy as an inexhaustible power supply is an excellent theory. But it has to be proved, as do all your other inventions. Everything I design and build works. Outside stands a missile, capable of safely transporting a man into space. And I've proved it. I've proved it time and time again. That's quite true, Colonel. In a series of static tests, we've simulated several trips to space. The graphs from these telemetering devices will confirm that. In a project of this magnitude, static tests prove nothing. Gentlemen, you must understand that missile experimentation is government business. Strictly government. I don't see why. Just as in the case of medical research, it can be a private project as well. We've been through all this before many times. I'm only carrying out orders. Tomorrow morning, a team of government experts will take over. You'll see that all your information is turned over to them. Okay, so there you have it. You know, Professor Dirk and Steve have been working on this missile. And... Um, you know, and then the man comes in and says, you know, Colonel Wickers, a.k.a. the man, comes in and says, the government's taking over and blah, 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 blah. Well, Steve continues to talk to the colonel and uh, and the, the, as the, the, the cop shows up and says, look, you know, there's these two escaped convicts and we got to look around your property and, you know, and they say, okay, whatever. So, um, Professor Dirk uh takes them out to the uh to the he takes the cop out to the cop out to the uh, to the missile while Steve and Lon and Professor Wickers kind of pad out the backstory with well you know Dirk is really good with blah 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 and he's obsessed and the thing and this stuff so <clears throat> the cop <laughs> I should have recorded this line and I can't I can't remember it exactly basically there's these two convicts and they're hiding in the missile and Dirk goes out, and he know, and he like sees that the electric fence around the missile has been turned off, so he knows they're in there. And in his superconductor brain, that's not true. I just made that up. In his brain, he considers he st he starts thinking about using them to help him pilot his ship. He's he's not gonna let the man take his ship. He's taking off tonight now, because everyone knows that's how space travel is. You want to go. You just hit the start button and go. There's no preparation needed. So, he he looks up and he knows the door's open and he knows the two convicts are in there. And he tells the cop, he's like, no, no, let me go up and look because, um, you know, there's, ex there's expensive equipment up there. I don't want people just, like, walking around my equipment. And the, the sheriff says, okay, that's, of course, I understand, Professor Dirk. Professor Dirk. Anyway, so... This older, this professor is old, like, goes up and he sees them and they, he like goes up to the top of the steps and he yells down, nope, nobody here. And then he locks them into his, into the spaceship. So these two, these two convicts are up in the spaceship and then the, the sheriff leaves. And the, the sheriff's one line is like, oh, they, they might've gotten into this, to the spaceship cause they're, um, to the missile. I, I keep saying a spaceship, but it, they call it a missile cause it's going to the moon. And, uh, he goes, oh, the leader is really, uh, what does he say? Oh, my God, I wish I would remember this line. I should have wrote it down because it's so funny. Basically, the sheriff's talking about these two bumbling idiots. 
and he says the leader is is slick and the and the the other one is just as savvy or something like that you know he used some weird corny line to describe these two and these two convicts are literally the the most like whiny and uh bumbling i don't i don't even know how to say it. it's not like three stooges bumbling but it's there's something okay so basically there's the leader gary and then there's the the the, the sidekick lon now Right off the bat, Gary is, like, he's just like, everything is whiny, and you got me into this mess, and, and you know, and and, uh, and he's the one that uses, like, ultra levels of hipster talk. Not ultra levels, but, you know, he, he's, he's, uh, he's, like, wow. I can't even describe this guy. He's just like a lazy, whiny, annoying, uh... Uh, criminal, you know. I don't see either of these two convicts lasting 20 seconds in a modern prison. Let's just put it that way. And Lon is like the uh, Elvis hair kind of uh, blonde, but Elvis hair looking uh, a dreamy one that's really caring and sensitive. And he only had six months left in his in his stint, and he doesn't know why Gary talked him into it. Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> He's the good guy. The other one's the bad guy, even though they're both convicts. Moving on, they're, I mean, they're they're hilarious. They kind of make it because they're just when you watch them, you're like, can't really? Please, uh, okay, must have been a different time, man. So, the two convicts are in the in the rocket ship. After the police leave, basically, uh, Dirk goes up, hands them a bag of food, of fried chicken, and the most awkwardly placed Seven uh, Up product placement I've ever seen in my life, and um. And then he says, "Okay, well, here's the deal." You know, oh, he went down. He went down to the office, got a gun and the food, and went back up. So he goes, "Oh, here's the deal. You know, you you can help me pilot this uh, this missile to the moon, or I can shoot you." So then, you know, of course they pick the moon because there's less bullets in the head involved. So uh, then, you know, they they start the countdown. And at that point, you go back to Steve and June, who are in the in the the office, and they go, "Oh, something's wrong. The, the you know the missile's powering up or something like that." You know, and it, I actually kind of enjoyed the. It had a hokey looking light thing going on, telling us that it was starting, but it looked kind of cool. I liked it. So Steve goes over to the um to the desk, opens the, opens the drawer where the uh, Luger nine millimeter is. A Luger is the ones that the Nazis used in World War. One and two, or two, whatever. So he he opens the door and he goes, or the drawer, and he goes, huh? Like he notices the gun's gone. So he opens up the other drawer and gets out a Colt forty-five and puts that in his pocket. Like he's just, hmm, my gun's missing. Oh, I'll just take this spare gun out of the other drawer. I don't know. It I, that just made me like laugh. I don't even know why. I have multiple guns, so I could do the same thing. But just the fact that you're like, oh, my gun's missing out of my drawer. Oh, I'll just use my backup gun drawer. Yeah, you know. So. They go. They so Steve and June run to the rocket. They go into the bottom and then they go. Oh no, we're taking off. So they put on like air, you know, masks and, and that's it. Like they're kind of stowaways when the two convicts and Dirk, Gary Lon and Dirk take off. <clears throat> so once they go through the whole takeoff thing, that the this was pretty good, pretty well shot. The the funniest part was when. When they hit, 
like go like you know t- they did a ten ten nine eight seven six they I think the, the ten second countdown when they hit zero, Derek the, the actor who plays Dirk like hits the back of the chair like and 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 makes that G force face like like he was like I don't think it's just hilarious like he's like Aah! and the other two are kind of sitting there then they go oh like you like it's obviously like you know they're they they were um, timing was off and also. Then they pan out and show the rockets still sitting there yet. Like, so they hit zero and start doing that, and then the rockets sitting there doing nothing, you know. So that was awesome. Long story short, they, they, they take off. They're flying to the moon, you know. Um, I, I had to pick it up here a little bit. They're flying to the moon. <clears throat> they go, oh, there's, you know, the Dirk goes, oh, there's something wrong. The rocket's self-correcting, so there's something down there. And then they open up the thing, and they see the two, and they bring them up. So now the the cast is all there. They start saying things like, "Oh, move!" Um, you know, they're telling people to do stuff like on the spaceship to keep it flying. And the the douchey bag, the douchebag one, uh, Gary, is just laying on the bunk saying, ah, "I'm not here. I'm just here for the ride, see?" and all that kind of stuff. So everyone else is doing stuff, and then he sees the um, June, the one lady, and as soon as that they're alone together, he obviously tries to rape her. Now this is like 50s style rape where he like, yeah, see, you know you love me and he kisses her, you know. Not like gory, horrible rape like now on CSI, on regular television. <clears throat> so basically, then um, the professor comes, or, uh, not professor, uh, so Dirk comes up and he sees this and he's like, stop it. And <laughs> it's, it's so funny because, okay, you have the younger Gary, who is the, the convict. And you have the, the, the this older guy, because Dirk is an older actor at this point. He's, you know, probably mid-50s. I should look it up, but he's probably around the mid-50s when this was shot. And he stands like, he's literally like a foot and a half taller than the, than the younger guy, you know. So this fight scene is really weird looking. You know, the choreograph- fight choreography wasn't really a, a thing back then. Like, first thing he does is he grabs him by his, like, boobs. I don't know. Like, he does, like, a man titty twister kind of thing. And then he's like, ah, this will be a pleasure beating you up. And then Gary can starts getting his butt kicked by the older Dirk. But then he gets the upper hand, and they're just fighting. And then, then uh, meteorites start hitting the... Or start cutting into their flight path, so they stop the fight. Which was good, because it was painful to watch. I think they hurt the audience more than each other. And... So they're they're trying to survive this meteor thing, and everyone's there, you know, with the biting the, oh, the clenching their teeth, and, and I hope we make it. And a battery gets loose, and Dirk gets hit with a giant battery. So Dirk's dying. I mean, he's he's, he's basically he's taken out of the equation. Um, as he's dying, he hands Steve uh, a medallion, and says, "You'll need this where we're going." And then, then that's the end of it. He doesn't vaporize. He just goes away. I don't know what they did with the body. They didn't bother filming that part. So now everything else is kind of calmed down. Um, you know, the, the 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 main guy Dirk is dead. He's gone. So you you have Steve, June, Lon, and Gary, and they're they're going to the moon. And Steve is wondering what the heck this medallion is. And so finally they land. He puts it in his pocket. They land. And they get out, and um, they put on the spacesuits. 
I didn't care for these spacesuits so much. They went the, with the standard, like, kind of mid-50s uh, um, pilot, you know, jumpsuit. And then, but then they just had silver, like, they were obviously motorcycle helmets with the, uh, with like, kind of like a diver's mask on. That's one of my big things when I'm watching these old movies. I really love the space suit, um, the technology that they that they use. Some of them really go overboard and make these crazy, awesome-looking things. I don't care about practicality. These spacesuits, you could see their necks. So, you know, that wouldn't work. But who cares? I didn't hate them, didn't love them. They were just there. So they're kind of um, mincing around the, the uh, moon's... Uh, you know, landscape, and then the Gumby rock creatures start coming out, and these are straight up awesome. They just are like these huge foam rubber suits that look like rocks, and they just start, like, they're just trudging towards the people, and then, of course, the, the they start shooting at them, because bullets stop rocks, right? They don't stop rocks. <clears throat> so, they're trying to get away from the rock people, and they see a cave, and, of course... They run into the cave, and then the rock people stop. Like they, they, they don't follow them in, so yay for that. And at this point, then Steve goes, "Well, we okay. Everyone, take off your spacesuits." They they find torches in there, so they go, "Oh, everyone, take off their spacesuits," you know, because there's air in here. And, it, and Gary's like, "Musty, stale air." Uh, well, you know, he he's kind of like a pain in the ass the whole time. You can't wait for him to die, you know what I mean? But he just doesn't seem to die fast enough. And um. So then, yes, we better take off our spacesuits because we wouldn't want to have the option of being able to run, you know. Yeah. So, <clears throat> no logic. So then they they find this civilization, and it's a civilization of like like cat women on the moon, and but but it's basically like you know, the Lido is uh, whoever's running the joint is called the Lido, and the 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 woman playing the Lido. Uh, K.T. Stevens, and she was in a lot of TV, she was in a lot of stuff, what, I'm trying to look what, what, the, the Rifleman, you know, uh, she, I thought she played, no, 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 the, okay, so K.T. Stevens was, she just, like, she played a lot in the 40s and 50s, um, the one that takes over for her, uh, Alpha, where is she at? The one that beats her out and and um and takes takes over as the Lido, but she's more evil. You'll know her from Space Patrol. So, you know, she, yeah. Okay, so basically, they 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 they're in this uh, they're in the moon, in the, the the women's area, and of course Gary is being like a horror version of. Uh, um, Captain Kirk, which is kind of hurts your head to even think of it being more of a womanizer, but it's like Captain Kirk on Viagra and Red Bull and being more of a jerk. And then, and then Lon is the comforting, you know, oh, it's okay. So they see the medallion. They take Steve, you know, the leader, the Lido takes Steve to, um, to off into another room and says, okay. It's been a long time since you've been here, Dirk. Now, remember, Dirk's the dead one. Turns out Dirk was from the moon. So his spaceship crashed on Earth. Not crashed, went to Earth to, dis to see if it was suitable for them to take over. Ah, see? P 
twat. That's why Dirk was so good at all the solar stuff and blah, blah, blah. He's from the moon. Now, um, she's like, you have to tell me all about Earth. Can we take it over? How they're going to take it over with like eight women, I, I don't know. But maybe they'll bring a rock creature with or something. They don't get into that. And, of course, Steve is um, confused. And Steve's also with June. So he, so now we have this other thing because Alpha, this the like the, the, the right-hand woman of the Lido, <clears throat> was scheduled to marry uh, Dirk. So now Alpha's all crazy about marrying uh, Steve. And, of course, June is like, that's my man. I'm kind of jumping around here because the, the plot kind of jumps around here too. So, basically, um, you know, he tells her that, oh, Earth isn't suitable. And she's like, okay, that's okay, we'll just take your spaceship and go somewhere else. The Lido knows that Dirk, that Steve isn't Dirk, but she doesn't let on. <clears throat> and Alpha just thinks it's Dirk, you know. She was a little baby when he left. He was just scheduled to marry this woman. And then they kind of go, and each each of the convicts finds a, a lady friend to 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 be in love with, and um, and G, and Gary goes, oh, you know, he sees diamonds, and he's like, where did you find these? And so, so instead of being romantically involved with his girl, he, he he demands that she takes him into the uh, caverns to show him where these gigantic diamonds are. So of course, one of the ultimate sins. He's greedy. We all know where this is going. They, the plot falls apart when uh, June says, "That's my man, and he's not Dirk, and he's Steve, and you're a jerk, and I, you can't kiss my man." And um, <clears throat> basically, they say, "Oh, you know, you're you're imposters. Now we're gonna kill you." And they send them into the caverns, and they release the 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 black demon, or the, I forget what they call him, the the shadow warrior, or something. Now I'm making up words; those aren't even real. But it's a big spider. And I think they wish their spider was as good as the one from Gilligan's Island, and it wasn't. This spider was really an odd-looking thing and with visible uh, cables. I mean, I don't... I actually like the like when you see the cables and boon mics and, and all those, the standard fare of mistakes you see in B-movies. They're actually really funny to me. I, I don't mind that at all. <clears throat> but this one was kind of like... Mm. So Gary's girl gets killed by the dark creature, and um, but they escape, and then there's a power struggle. There's like a they, the, the plot breaks into two. They show them trying to fight this big spider, and in the meantime, they show um, Alpha uh, knocks off the Leto. She kills her so she can be the Leto. They have like this mind. Um, thing where they like they hypnotize people and make them do whatever they want so they have this power struggle and alpha loses but then alpha goes back and just kills the Lido anyway so I'm like, okay whatever so then she um hypnotizes steve to to be to marry her I, it's odd but whatever they the, you know the, the moon women have never seen men so you know you you know where this is going. So she's she's going to have a double feature uh, uh, celebration of executing the peop the uh, the Earth people and marrying Steve. Yay! Sounds like a great carnival. 
and of course they break into some uh, ceremonial dance which lasts too long and has horrible moves and then they start escaping you know because Lon's girl loves him and helps them escape um, all hell breaks loose they eventually get away um, you know they, they get off onto the surface they, they escape uh, the Lon's girlfriend um, pulls the like throws a grenade that ruins the atmosphere and basically she sacrifices herself and all of the moon women for to help the her lover Lon and the you know and the other two escape. So as they're trying to run away, you know there's some back and forth. They eventually get there and if they get out into the light, they die immediately because the sun is so bright with no atmosphere. And there, the three of them are running, and then Gary comes out with two gigantic bags of diamonds. Well, the rock creatures, you know, surround him, and, and the other three are yelling, just drop the bags, if you drop the bags, you can run. And of course, he's like, no way, daddy-o's, these are mine, and no one's getting them. And he walks out into the sun and dies. Skeleton, yay, and the end of Gary. And we're all much happier. So then the three of them run to the spaceship, and they blast off. Um... A couple funny things. I thought for sure Lon would get his girl out. That's kind of a cool thing that they wrote into this one that isn't very usual. Usually, the dreamy guy gets the girl. Now, granted, they were like blue-greenish, so I don't know how he would pass that off. Lots of Mary Kay. I don't know. But they didn't do that. They just, the three of them made it. You know, everyone else died. So it was no well the rock creatures didn't because they're rock creatures but everyone else died and I'm assuming the spider lived because they didn't show him die <clears throat> so basically it's one of those things where um, usually so June and Steve fly off and uh, with Lon and yay I can't wait to see Earth and yay us and they go home and that's it they don't show any landing they don't show they show like about four or five seconds of the takeoff. And that's it. I'm going to drop in the intro, and then I'm going to come back for just my final thoughts. <laughs> I can't describe... When they get to the ship, June asks a question that I actually stopped. I rewound it, and I was like, huh? So, here's my huh moment of the movie, and I hope you enjoy. Everything's all right now. That's what you think.
calculators seem to be working. Get ready to start the countdown. You think we'll make it? Well, I'd say we've got a good chance. Steve, before we start this, just one thing. Yes, June? Do you... Do you think I'm prettier than that girl, the one called Alpha? Honey, there's only one thing I ever expect to see that's prettier than you. And that's old Mother Earth looming up in the viewplate. That's right. <laughs> you heard correctly. Not, boy, I wish we all wouldn't have uh, come here. Not, um, wow, we were just on the moon. Not, I wish people wouldn't have died. Not, those rock creatures were scary. Not, I wish I would have grabbed one of those gigantic diamonds. Do you think I'm prettier than Alpha? Yep. That's what the script said. Because if somebody went off script and said that... I think they would have gotten hit with one of the rock creatures. So there you have it. And the audio doesn't capture it, but Lon, the, uh, the, the hunky convict guy, gives one of the most weirdest, awkward winks towards Steve. It's like, obviously he couldn't wink, so he just did like one of those like blink things. I don't care. Listen, this is one of those movies... I seem to be getting in a rut here, um, but I would say buy it. You're gonna, f it's it's one of those that's stuffed in with every one of those sci-fi packs. You know, this is one of those ones that's no one cares about. Either it's out of, either it's out of copyright or it's been boot or it's been pirated so many times they can't prove. Just, just pick it up. I mean, it's gonna be in one of those, and then and it's worth a watch. <clears throat> I've watched it a few times because it's just hilarious. Um, it is very classic uh, 50s, <clears throat> you know, it's classic late 50s. The architecture is nice uh, of the, of the uh, you know, it's got all the standard stuff. I mean, it, it really is. The women that they use for this, I think it must have been the, um, it must have been the outfits. Because one thing I did notice, and this is very strange, and I'm not, putting them down they don't look like erotically attractive or anything like that like you supposedly like they, they mystify you know people when when you look at them these cat women on the moon that's not what they're called in this movie but you know what i'm saying they look kind of funny i don't know i it like the just i don't even know how to describe it these were like I think these these women won a contest to be in this movie. Like, they're Miss Florida, Miss Nebraska, Miss blah, blah, blah. That's the way they're credited in IMDb, so I'd have to assume it. They were, these were, like, the beauty contest winners. I don't know, man. I'm not sure what is going on there. But I digress. Funny movie. Um, <laughs> some parts are funny. Some parts are absurd. Some parts are hilarious. Um... And overall, you just when you watch it, you're like, yeah, this is straight up 50s, 50s sci-fi. You know, it doesn't get any better than this. All right, so I'm suggesting go out and buy it. It's three dollars well spent at the most. Uh, email me with what you think about it. I'm I'm 
I'm always open to hear other interpretations. I'm sure people are going to say, you're crazy, that's the worst thing I've ever seen, and you're a horrible person for saying people should watch it. Uh, you know, let me know. I'm not sure what I'm going to do, what movie I'm going to do next. I was going to do uh, this weird one where, uh, what the heck's the name of it? Hold on. Uh, I was going to do this one, um, From Hell It Came. But I don't know, man. I I watched some of it. It's like this. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I might do from Hell It Came, but I should I should probably find something better. Next, the next show will probably be the top five worst um, comic book adaptations. And then what we'll do is uh, then I'll I'll find something better than from Hell It Came. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the the uh, podcast. Please make sure you follow along uh, with my traveling exploits at kimchiagogo.wordpress.com I'm uh, or of course go on to this website at slowrobotagogo.wordpress.com and check out uh, my long running or our long running uh, podcast at bunchofdorks.com that one that's the that's well over 200 episodes we've been doing that one for a long long time I haven't done a call-in on that recently. I mean, of course, I'm away from my home. I have to uh, record some segments or do something because I've been away from that for way too long. Uh, okay. My name is Mao. You're listening to Slow Robot A Go-Go, show 16, with all kinds of missile-to-the-moon love. Please write me and tell me what you think. Z-E-N-B-O-N-E at hotmail.com. Thanks for listening.